0: Well, good morning. Hey, I want to say welcome to all of our campuses, Bluntstown, Chipley, Fairhope, Wakulla, and Mariana. Hey, we are so glad to have all of you today as we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Wake Up. And as you see in the tagline, it's all about finding the grace that's already found you. And um, if you were with us last week at any of our services, I mean, you, you know that we kind of looked at that ultimate expression of God's grace And we said that was the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that through his death and resurrection, he expressed grace at a level that most of us never, ever think about. And there's something else that we discovered is this, is that that moment that we call Easter, it changed the world because it was God's definitive statement of his incredible, amazing, how great his love really is for you and for me. But also, it was just like we said, it's just this amazing statement about how that you can have a relationship with God all through Jesus Christ because of his incredible, amazing grace. In fact, as we continued to talk through last week, we learned that a right standing with God, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ, right? But the most amazing part was, is that it's given to us by this thing called grace. Now, here's the thing about grace. We don't earn grace We don't have to perform to get it or behave just right to to kind of work for it. It's not about anything that we do because we can't do enough. It's just simply given to us freely because of the grace of God that he has chosen to show to you and to me. Now, here's the thing that I know. If you grew up around church world, you might have heard of this word grace that we're just going to be talking about for the next four weeks, but exactly what does it mean? Well, here is the definition that we're building the next four weeks on. This is a conversation we're going to have the next four weeks about grace. And here's our definition, and that is this. Grace is the unexpected, unearned, and undeserved favor of God. In other words, grace is something that you receive because of who you are, and grace is something you receive in spite of who you are. And you know what? That's what makes the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so absolutely incredible. Like, think about it. When you think about God's favor through grace on every one of us, It's like God didn't show us his grace in the moment that we deserved it or that we earned it. No, 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 what he did is he showed us his grace in the moment that we least deserved his grace. And I think that's why so many of us, when we hear this thing, and it's why we're gonna have a four week conversation about it, it's why when we hear this thing called grace, and that's available to us freely through Jesus Christ, I mean, we think it's just too good to be true. Because when you stop and think about it, nothing else in the world works that way. I mean, for example, when you think about your job or when you think about your school or sports, what do you have to do in those things? You have to earn your way. It's like we are rewarded when we do well, and we are penalized when we don't. It's like nobody scores like a 9 or a 10 on the ACT, and the college says to them, hey, don't worry about that. We'd love to have you anyway. You're just such an amazing person. You just come on our school on a full-ride scholarship. No, nobody does that. That's not the way it works in your life. You get what you earn. So what happens is as we go through life because that's kind of the philosophy of life that's how it works in life we we naturally think well it must be the same way with God like, I think I've got to be good enough, or I've got to perform good enough, or I've got to be religious enough to make sure that God is absolutely happy with me. So maybe if I can be good enough, and if I can act good enough, and if I can do enough right things, then I can keep a right standing with God. See, that just makes sense to us, doesn't it? But then comes along this thing of grace, and we hear about it, and we go, That just seems too good to be true. Because grace says, God gives me his favor without me earning it, or even deserving it. And nothing, nothing in our life works that way, except grace. And here's the thing. If you and I can ever really believe and even embrace this one truth, I'm going to tell you something, folks. It won't just change the way that you view God. It will change the way that you view yourself forever. So as I said, for the next four weeks, we're just going to unpack this simple word, this one word. It's simple to say, but, man, it is so complex sometimes for us to really embrace. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this word, this idea, in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect. Because see, here's the thing. If you've ever read much of the Bible, this this is what you know. Whenever you open up the Bible, you go to the New Testament part of the Bible and you read about the life of Jesus and and then you read about the life of the early church after Jesus went back to heaven. What, What do you see? I mean, it's like you see grace everywhere, don't you? But we're not gonna go there. Instead, what we're gonna do is we're gonna unpack this whole idea of grace by spending these next four weeks in the Old Testament. Now, here's the thing. If you've never read the Bible, that's just not like a big deal to you. But for those of you who've like read the Bible, like much of the Old Testament, you're like probably thinking, okay, these are going to be really short sermons. Because there's not a whole lot of grace in the Old Testament from your perspective. Like in most people's minds, there's a lot of rules and a lot of judges and judgments and plagues and and laws and all those kind of things. And, And you might not even say it out loud, but you've maybe read the Bible enough to go like, I don't even like reading that Old Testament. I don't understanding of it because, see, you're like, in the Old Testament, it kind of feels like God's maybe a little bit angry, God's a little bit judgmental, and, you know, there's all these plagues and all this bad stuff that happens, and you're like, just keep me over here in this New Testament. I'll stick with kind of the compassion, the grace, and the love, the things that make me feel better. But here's the thing. What you're going to discover is this, is that God didn't change once Jesus came. He has been from the beginning a God of unexpected, undeserved, unearned grace. So today, we're going to literally start at the beginning. And I am so excited to be able to share this with you because I think it's just going to open so many of your eyes up in ways about God and His grace that you never thought about. We're going to discover some things about the grace of God at the very beginning of Scripture that I think is going to change your view of God and maybe how you view yourself from this point on. So if you want to read along or you want to act like you know where you're going in the Bible without having to look in the index and you bring your Bible and you're always like kind of embarrassed. Today's a great day. Just turn to the first page in the Bible. That's where we're starting. Right? So this is a great day to kind of follow along your Bible. We're going to start in Genesis. What's Genesis called? Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. We're also going to put it on the screen as well. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. The Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, it begins with the story of creation. And here's what you also need to understand. A lot of people read these verses that we're going to read today trying to understand how creation happened. But you need to understand something. That is not the primary reason that this passage was written. you got to understand This passage, this book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, first five books of the Bible, they were written by Moses. And, And Moses wrote these books not long, or especially the book of Genesis, not long after the Israelites were delivered from the Egyptian slavery. So it's really amazing when you stop and think about the context in which Moses wrote this book. See, by the time... God had Moses write this book, you got to understand. It's been like 430 years since God told Jacob to take his family down to Egypt. So you got to understand when God has Moses write this book, I mean, they have lived for 400 years. In a culture of mythology, a culture of polytheism, basically they had many, many, many gods, and in some way the people of Israel, the nation of Israel that Moses was leading, they weren't really clear anymore who their God was. So Moses, under God's direction, he writes this book to reintroduce them to who the one true God is. And also in doing so to give them a glimpse into the personality of the one true God who has chosen them to be his people. Now here's the thing you also have to understand. If you're one of these people who struggles with this whole thing called creationism versus evolution, and you like consider yourself to be like a man or a woman or a student of silent science, and so you just kind of struggle to believe what we're about to read, here's a couple of things that we want you to know about what we believe. First of all, we believe that faith and science are not mutually exclusive. Like, the natural laws that God established, I mean, they're just like the foundation of the entire scientific process. I mean, without the order God created, there really wouldn't be science. So, there's no, in our minds, there's no conflict between the two. We don't believe you have to pick one or the other. Second thing you need to remember is this about what we're going to read. You have to remember that Genesis wasn't written as a scientific textbook. In other words, the point of the first couple of chapters is who made creation and why he made it, not exactly when or how he made it. So so there are some things that are very concrete about creation, but there are other things that are opinions, interpretations, and Theory. So please don't dismiss what we're about to read because you've heard some interpretation of what some Christian said that it meant. And you're going, you got no evidence to prove that. See, we believe this. what we're going to read next is so important. That it's, so, it's so applicable to our lives to help self, set the foundation for who God is and, and how God sees and views us. Because what we're going to discover from the very beginning is that grace has been like front and center. In the mind and in the heart of God. So what we're going to do is we're going to start reading in Genesis chapter one, verse one. And like, while we don't have time to read this whole story, what we do is we hope that you'll go home and read it for yourself because it's pretty remarkable what God did for you and I, especially when you read it from the perspective that we're going to discover today—the perspective of God's grace, even from the very beginning. Notice what happens. Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this word created right here is translated from the Hebrew word that means creation from nothing, which literally means this. God didn't take something out here somewhere and make something better from it. No, no, no. He took nothing and he made something specifically in this verse he made the heavens and the earth another way of saying that is he created the sky and the land he created these two things and by the way that's why christians basically historically have believed that the universe has a beginning because god created the heavens and the earth and over the last few decades there's been evidence that have pointed science to that as well now here's here's a very very important question and that is this why would god create anything Like, what would motivate God to create something? I mean, like, did God create because he's, like, lonely or bored or he needed something to do? And there's no evidence to support that. What, was it because he needed something? Well, by definition, God doesn't need anything because he's completely self-sustaining. Was it because we deserved it? Well, it really couldn't be that because we didn't even exist yet at that point in time. So why would God choose to create an environment that had the ability to sustain life? Think about that. Why would God choose to create an environment that had the ability to sustain life? There is only one reasonable answer. It was the unexpected, undeserved, unearned favor of God. He, he was giving you and he was giving me the opportunity to be, And when you think about it that way, that in and of itself is just this amazing expression of grace. He did not have to give us the opportunity to be, but he chose to. So in the beginning, think about it this way. In the beginning, God created. And in the beginning, there was grace. And it gets even better. Look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, have you ever stopped to consider why, or the fact that God really was under no obligation to create light for us? I mean, think about it this way. If God had never created light, we would not know the difference between light and dark. Like, think about it. If God had never created light, we wouldn't gripe about spring forward or falling backwards, you know, that kind of thing. We wouldn't be, like, complaining how short daylight is, you know, during the winter months. Because, see, we wouldn't even know better. We wouldn't know about anything called light. We would have never seen light. See, here's the reality. Most of us never stop to think about this. But you can think about it. What is light? What is light? Light is an expression of God's grace. So like every time you get up in the morning and you pull those curtains in the morning because light's waking you up in the morning, or you put on your sunglasses because it's just way too bright outside, or you flip that switch to turn on the light in your room, do you know what that is? That is grace. It's grace right in front of you. Like when is the last time that you thank God for light? Well, for some of you, maybe it's like when you lost your electricity during a storm or something and you got it back. Maybe then you're thankful for light. But, but most of the time, if you really stop and think about it, it's like you never stop to think to say, God, thank you. Thank you for your light. It's such an expression of your grace. Why do we not thank God daily for light? Because it's always there. But when you think about it, light is just like this 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week expression of God's incredible, amazing, abundant grace that you are just immersed in every day. In fact, Moses goes on to say this. He says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Now, here's the thing. If you go home and read this, and I I pray you just read this whole first couple chapters of how God's creation. As you see it from the lens of grace. But here's what you're going to do when you start reading that. You're going to notice this phrase, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. It's repeated again and again throughout the creation story. In other words, so God divides the dry land from the water... The night from the day, and God saw that it was good. Or he creates the sun, the moons, the stars, and the planets. It's interesting, you go read the story, God created light before he created all those things. That's pretty amazing. And then he fills the earth with all variety of plants and animals, and every time God created something, at the end of the day, it says that God saw that it was good. In fact, this phrase, and God saw that it was good, it's repeated at the end of all six days of creation. Now, I think most of us, when we kind of read through that, we we don't really think deeply about it, but maybe we just kind of read read through it and go, well, maybe that means that God looked around all the work he did, and he goes, hmm, God, you did good. God, you did really good. Kind of like he's bragging on himself kind of deal, right? But really, that kind of seems outside the nature and the person of God, like God doesn't need that. And pretty sure that God, when he started this whole creation thing, I mean, he knew that it was going to be good before he ever started. Now, some theologians, they say that this word good here, it means good like in a moral sense, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense because land and water, they, they, are like, they can't be like morally good or bad. So really, what is the phrase that God saw that it was good? What does it mean? What does it mean? Here's what it means. It means that every day when God created And he looked over what he created. When he looked at the sunsets and the landscapes and the streams and the waterfalls and the plants that he provided for food and the plants that he provided for beauty. When he looked at the end of the day and he saw the trees and the animals and the birds and the butterflies and the oceans and the beaches and the mountains and the jungles and the fields. When God looked at all the beauty, and when God looked at all the variety, when God looked at all the resources that he had created and put on this planet called Earth, and God said, that's good? It's like he's saying, that's really going to be good for them. Yeah, they're going to like this. It's really going to be good for them. See, when God saw that it was good, he saw that it was good for us. That's just an amazing statement of God's grace. And if you're still not sure about that, just listen to verse 26. Here's what he says. Then, literally, now that everything is ready for us, and everything is prepared, and the stage is set, just like God wanted it to be for us. It's like, can you imagine the joy and the delight of God as he's creating all this going, oh, this is going to be so good for them. This is going to be so good for them. Here's what it says. Then God said, let us And this us is referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being involved in this whole process. Here's what he says. So let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Which is just amazing by itself. This statement right here. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. It is an amazing, remarkable expression of God's grace. Because what he's saying is, I'm going to make man in our image so that there can be communication there can be conversation, there can be connection, that God would give us that opportunity. It's an amazing, amazing expression of His grace. Here's what he says. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all creatures, all creatures that move along the ground, which means this. Once God had created everything in this world just the way he wanted it, once God was able to step back and go, ooh, man, this is going to be really good for them, it's like at that point in time that says, okay, I'm going to hand over the keys to this creation. And he gave us a world that was perfectly suited to sustain us. And it wasn't an environment with just like bare necessities. I mean, it is a world, and and you just kind of read into all of this that, that Moses is writing here. It's like this world with all these endless extras and all this indescribable beauty. And now he's saying, listen, I just want you to go enjoy it. I want you to just go manage it well, because I'm leaving it all in your hands. Here's the keys to it. It's my gift to you. Do you know what you call that kind of gift from God? That's grace. The unexpected, unearned, undeserved favor of God. In the beginning, God created. And in the beginning, God gave abundant grace. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, well, that's really great and that's really awesome and maybe even a little inspiring, but that was a long time ago. Like, what's the point? Well, here's the point. And please, please, don't ever forget this. You might want to write this down. When it comes to grace, God never gives just enough. He always gives more than enough. Don't miss that. When it comes to grace, God never gives us just enough. He always gives us more than enough. See, for some of you, I mean, that's what God had you show up today for because some of you, you think that you've run out of grace. You, you so desperately want it. I mean, you just don't think it's possible for you to have it anymore. I mean, like, you think you've done way too many wrong things and too many bad things for way too long, but the truth is And you see this from the very beginning, is God gives us grace and abundance, and you've been surrounded by his display of grace toward you for your entire life. Like, you have craved grace, you wanted to find grace, but he's saying to you and I in this creation story, but grace, it's already found you. I mean, just think about it. Think about how many expressions of God's grace do you experience every day and you don't even recognize them. I mean like from the body that you have to the air, some of you, my body's not straight save of grace. Yeah, but come on. From the body that you have to the air that you breathe to the ground that you walk on to the food that you eat to the water that you drink and the people that you love and the pets that you have that you treat better than the people that you love. You know, all this stuff Stuff that surrounds you that you're immersed in every day, all this that you enjoy, every last bit of it, is a gift of God's grace to you. You are literally immersed in God's grace 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we never stop to see it. See, through creation, God is saying, I'm not just giving you enough grace to get by. I'm giving you more than enough. You are rich in grace because God is the God of abundant grace. Amen. Now, next week, we're going to pick up on this story kind of where we're leaving off today. But here's where we want you to make this very practical and applicable in your life. We, we encourage you to do this. And, 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 and it's very, very simple, and that is this. Find the grace that's found you by slowing down and saying thanks. In order to begin to experience the grace of God that has already found you, that is already surrounding you. Theologians call this common grace from God to all mankind. To experience this grace that's already found you, just slow down and say thanks. This week, now we're not saying, okay, will you commit to doing this for the rest of your life? Because for some of you go, wow, that would be too big a challenge. But we're just saying, like this week, would you focus on slowing down to notice the expressions of God's grace in your life that surround you every day because they're all around you? And then would you, like, pause for a moment and stop and say, Thanks, God, for this amazing gift that reminds me of your abundant grace. See, like, every time you see a sunset, every time you see a sky that is full of stars, would you just pause and say, thank you, God. Thank you for this amazing gift of grace. See, we we kind of live out in the country, and and there's just times I just like to look up in this star-filled sky. It just, just does something for me. I know it does something for so many of you, and... And and like when you look at it, and it's just so clear, and it's so beautiful, and it's so magnificent. And you feel so overwhelmed with something, don't you? And many of you, you're just like, I could look at this all the time. Why? What am I feeling? And you don't know what it is you're feeling. But you know what you're feeling? You're feeling... That it's one of God's expression of his abundant grace to you. And it's just so magnificent. And it's expressing his grace. And he's saying his grace is so big. And it's so amazing. You're like, oh, I could just take this in. Again and again. And he's going, that's my grace. It's abundant. Listen, every time you sit down to eat, man, slow down. And stop. And say thanks. Wow, God, this food that I got here, it's, it's because of your grace. Pause to thank Him long enough for the air that you breathe and, and things like light and, and your hearing and your smell. Like, think about it. Everything that you notice throughout this week, just slow down and say thanks, God. Because the, here, here's a the reality there is more beauty in this world than we could ever comprehend. And there is a more abundance than we could ever imagine. I I have some people ask me, they're like, why do you like to scuba dive so much? And like, why do you like to fly so much? Because see, it's like when you rise above it and you can look down on it, it's just so absolutely amazing. And then that's the reason I like to fly. But then like, I love to scuba dive because... Like, at the top of the water, you see kind of a macro kind of thing. But then you start diving down, you know, 40, 60 feet. Sometimes slip down farther than you're supposed to, like 80. You know, that kind of thing. You know, when you're open diver like me, it's like you start seeing these incredible things. And sometimes when I'm diving, I tell people it's like the grandest worship experience of understanding God's grace. Because you look at things that you know, man, Probably less than 1% of the population of the world will ever see this. But God said that for those that can, I want them to see my grace. And there have been so many times as I'm diving that I just start weeping. Because I get so overwhelmed with God's, its just amazing grace. Because all of the beauty, more than we can comprehend, all the abundance more than we can ever grasp or see in a lifetime. That's just a statement about and the nature of God's grace. And here's what you'll discover if you'll slow down long enough to say thank you. What you'll discover is this, when it comes to grace, God never gives just enough. He always gives more than enough. So this week, Beginning this week, will you slow down long enough to thank God for what's been right in front of you the whole time that you've lived? But you've just been like way too wrapped up in yourself, way too wrapped up in your problems, way too wrapped up in your struggles of life to even notice God's abundant, extravagant grace that he just immerses you in every day. Now some of you are sitting there going, like, whatever. (laughs) This is too touchy-feely. You know, slow down, say thank you. Like, that's for the artsy people, the emotional people, the touchy-feely people, the spiritual people. Like, how is this going to help me? I tell you how it's going to help you. You will never fully embrace grace until you begin to express gratitude. Until you begin to express gratitude for the grace that is already found or surrounds you. It's just how it works. Because see, gratitude, it has this way of changing how we see the world. Gratitude has a way of just changing how we see God and how we see other people. So if you will stop and you will make a habit to do this, to just slow down and say thanks. And, and we're not just saying, like, do this, like, once or twice during this next week, but we're saying, like, multiple times a day. But if you'll just stop or begin to develop this habit of stopping and saying thanks, of, of expressing your gratitude to God for the everyday gifts that he's already provided for you, it will change the way you view God. He'll become so much more personal to you. You'll begin to understand the depth of his love and his grace toward you. It'll change the way that you view your circumstances in life. Like, you will stop blaming God for everything. Every bad thing that has come your way and you won't feel like that he owes you everything because you will be aware of the fact that he's already given you more than you could ever consume more than you could ever comprehend more than you could ever imagine every day his mercies are new and he's an incredible expression of his grace Folks, this is such a big deal because this is how you find the grace that is already found and already surrounds you. Now, some of you, you, you may not fully understand all this yet. and or maybe you're on one of our campuses and you're like, I don't even know if I still believe all of this. That this grace, this kind of grace is available to me. And, and you may not even believe that creation is an expression of God's grace. That's okay. Just still do this for this week. Just slow down and say thanks, and see what begins to happen inside of you. I mean, if God doesn't exist, or he didn't give this to you, I promise you, it still won't hurt you to do this for a week, because you won't be such a jerk anymore. You'll start being a person of gratitude, and it'll make all your relationships better. It'll help in so many ways. But if it's true... And, and we believe this is true, that God created all of this for you. He created it for you. Think about that. The next time you look at something that God has created, go, God, really? You created that? You said, oh, that's going to be good for him. Oh, that's going to be good for her. Oh, they're really going to like this. If it's true that God created all this for you, then in the beginning, God gave grace and imagine how different your life would be if you truly began to embrace this and this truly became personal to me, personal to you. In fact, imagine how different God and his grace would just feel to other people through you if this became personal to you. So for this one week, would you just become aware and be grateful for God and his presence and and all of his expressions of his grace in his life to you? Like, please, this week, don't take them for granted. Don't go through life acting like you deserved it or treat them just like their daily gifts as their ordinary kind of thing in your life because they're not. But just slow down and say thanks and see if expressing grace doesn't help you begin to experience or gratitude, Say, expressing gratitude doesn't help you experience God's grace. Because what you're going to discover when it comes to this thing called grace is no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God never gives you just enough grace. He always gives more than enough. And for many of you, that's a great place for you to start today. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, before we rush out into the rest of our day, We just want to pause, we want to slow down, we want to think about all the things that you took the time to create. Before you ever made us, before you ever designed us, and you said that's going to be good, that's going to be good for him, that's going to be good for her, oh they're going to like this." God, I want to thank you for placing that incredible statement of grace, your creation around us, immersing us in it. I pray that this week, this will not be the only time that we pause to say, thank you, God. Thank you for your amazing grace. And God, as we begin to express our gratitude for your grace, may we begin to believe in our hearts at a whole other level that you never give us just enough grace. You give us more than enough grace. That there's none of us that are too far gone or been too bad or done too much for your grace. To bring healing and forgiveness and life and wholeness to our being. So God, we we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. Help us to live in it today. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everyone, thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next week as we continue this conversation. Have a great day.